Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today we are studying in the book of Acts, chapter 19. Here's Pastor Ryan. The Lord has plans and he wants to carry them out and he want, and we're a part of his plans and he wants you and I to participate in the plans that God has for his church. We are all called to do something for the Lord and that is why we preach, serve the Lord. Jesus says, he who serves me, him my father, will honor. I mean, service is part of the package. And why wouldn't we want to serve the Lord after all if he has saved us from the pit of hell? Those wonderful conversions in the Bible that we read about, they were all willing to do anything for their Lord after salvation. That needs to be the case in our lives. That Lord, you have saved me. Lord, you have given me ability and gifts. I want to serve you. It's something to... Consider, And there's something that we all can do. Now the gift of tongues, it's the one that's um, outlined or brought to our message today. The gift of tongues, what is it? The gifting of tongues is to speak in a language that is known or unknown. Praises to the Lord. It's to speak a language that's either known or unknown. Praises to the Lord. There are times in our walk, in our relationship with the Lord, times of prayer that are too deep to define. That, you know, that's all I can say to that. Moments where we're either full of joy, unspeakable joys, where our earthly language does not meet the absolute joy that we're in. Like, there ha- is there another language? And there is. There's heavenly languages. Unknown tongues. Paul would say, you know what, if, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, there are just some things that are so precious and beautiful that, you know, my English doesn't cut it. There's groanings. There's, there's just joy in our praises and our prayers to the Lord. And then there's times when it's the opposite, when we're in such anguish and such pain and such suffering because of the things that we're going through. And when we're praying to the Lord, there are times in solitude when we're praying that it's just our English, we can't even say anything. It hurts so bad. And his comforts are so good. Paul would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 about his experience being taken up to the third heaven. He says, I know a man in Christ for 14 years or 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know. God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for man to utter. Like there's words that he heard when he was taken up to heaven. Probably one of the times they stoned him half to death. That he heard words in heaven that it would be unlawful for him to try to use earthly language to describe it. That beautiful. There are places that our soul goes with the spirit of God 
that are so beautiful, connected so strongly that earthly words do not suffice. And so the gift of tongues appears or happens, led by the Spirit. In the book of Acts, we have three examples of tongues being used. In Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, you know it was the apostles and the other disciples there on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They were empowered and they began to speak in tongues, but they were actually speaking the native language of the people who were in the crowds. And the people responded, how is it that we hear them each in our language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So they spoke in a known language, but the apostles weren't fluent in those languages. The Holy Spirit empowered them to just start speaking. What language do you want to speak? <laughs> Depends what country I'm in, Pastor. In Mexico, I want Spanish. But the apostles had already been saved. They spoke in tongues later as they were empowered by the Spirit. And the Lord led them to that, to be assigned to those unsaved Jews that were hearing them that they might understand that it was, scripture was being fulfilled in Joel chapter 2 that this was a work of God that Jesus Christ ascended into heaven and gave gifts to men and then the second time is in Acts chapter 10 at the home of the Roman centurion Cornelius of the Italian regiment the Roman guy who feared God and Peter went to visit him and as Peter was preaching to him and his household there, the, really the first Gentiles getting saved. As Peter preached, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they all spoke in tongues as well. And that was a sign for the church that God's stamp of approval of the Gentiles coming in to the church was validated. It was a sign to increase faith that God was in this. It was a sign to the unsaved Jews that heard on the day of Pentecost that they needed to repent and give their lives to Jesus Christ. And then the third is in our text. It says here that, and when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And there was about 12 of them. And so them speaking in tongues was a validation or confirmation of the message that Paul just spoke to them. God was just showing them. God was just blessing them with that sign. And it happened to them around the same time they were saved to validate the Jews and to validate Paul's message. A little bit more on the gift of tongues. Very doctrinal day this morning on Mother's Day. You know, mothers are all about manners the doctrine of eating with manners, silverware to the right, sit up, napkin on your lap. Well, tongues, God has an order for that as well. So I guess that's the connection I'm trying to make. Turn with me, 1 Corinthians 14. 
God doesn't want to be ignorant concerning these gifts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, Paul writes, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. We read that the 12 men, they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. Now, to prophesy, it can mean to predict the future or a future event, foretelling the future, but it can also mean proclaiming a word of edification, a word of edification, a word from scripture, a word from the Lord of edification, to prophesy. And so keep that in mind. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. So God says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Who doesn't desire spiritual gifts? Perhaps those who don't want to serve. There's something we can do. Prayer meeting, prayer ministry, trash ministry, knocking on doors, inviting people to church. I mean, there's, there's something we can do but especially that you may prophesy. God says, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you can speak a word of edification to someone. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to man, but to God. Lesson number one, when one speaks in tongues, is he speaking to man or God? To God. There's a misuse at times where in some churches, people will speak in tongues and then say, this is what the Lord is saying to the church through the tongues and and give a word of prophecy from those tongues. That's not seen in scripture. Tongues is always seen as praising the Lord, worshiping the Lord, and it's man speaking to God, not to man. For no one understands him However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So in an unknown tongue, no one understands him. He's speaking in an unknown tongue. He's speaking mysteries to God. But he who prophesies, that's a word of edification, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. And so to edify is God's heart. He wants the church to be built up, but he also wants the church to speak in tongues. But he has parameters on that. When I pray at home, in my private place with the Lord, you're not being edified. You may be, in a sense, because I'm praying for the church, and he... He helps you out. But I'm the one being edified because I'm the one speaking to God in my prayers. Amen? When you, go, when you go and pray to God, it's you and God. You're being built up. No one else is. You're, so, you're doing that solo. But when you speak to someone a word of encouragement from the Lord, others get built up. Speaking in tongues, that's, that's, that's something that one does and they are basically edifying themselves unless there's an interpreter and we go on to continue to read here concerning that but now brethren if i come to you speaking with tongues what shall i profit you unless i speak to you either by revelation by knowledge or by prophesying or by teaching even things without life whether flute or harp 
when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel does anybody here ever watch anything on tv that uh, with a language that you do not understand for more than five minutes you might look at him to like trip out on culture and like oh that's neat that's cool i have no idea what they're saying right but it's not something that you can get built up it's not something that you can learn because we don't understand the language and so paul is, is saying to the church we want you to we want god wants us to edify one another he wants us to be able to speak the things that build each other up and if you try to build someone up in a language they don't understand you're not going to be able to do so therefore verse 13 let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, now will he who a couple uh, occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say for you indeed give thanks well but the other is not edified i thank my god i speak with tongues more than you all yet in the church i would rather speak in five words with my understanding that i may teach others also than ten thousand words in a tongue brethren do not be children in understanding however in malice be babes but in understanding be mature in the law it is written with men of other tongues and other lips i will speak to this people and yet for all that they will not hear me and again paul is saying don't be babes in your understanding of the gifts of tongues don't be babes about it know the parameters know what it's about and he says, therefore, in verse 22, tongues are for a sign, not for those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, they will say that you are out of your mind. And so as we read in the examples of the book of Acts, when tongues was used, it did encourage the faith of the, either the new believers or those around who were unsaved. It was going to help them in their faith. So it is a sign for unbelievers. That's what he's saying here. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. And so unbelievers come into the church, they hear the word. The word being professed here from the pulpit is what brings conviction to people's hearts. It's the word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword. That's why we encourage you, just bring them in here. Do whatever you have to do to drag them in here and let the word of God 
do what it does. He is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. It's the word. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three each in turn and let one interpret but if there is no interpreter let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to god let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge but if anything is revealed to another who sits by let the first keep silent for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets for God is not the author of confusion but of peace as in all the churches of the saints now this is how tongues is supposed to be practiced within the church we want to encourage tongues at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills we encourage all the gifts of the spirit we have a believers prayer meeting once a month first Tuesday of the month Please come here if you have the gift of tongues and would like to practice them here. But until then, pray for an interpretation of that because it will be, it should be the speaking of tongues, but then also is interpretation for that. So we do that amongst believers. God doesn't leave us without directions. That's the proper way of doing it. And he was saying at the first, like, you know, one guy has a word, one guy has a tongue, one guy, you know, and there's churches who are very much not practicing the structure of scripture when it comes to the practicing of the gifts of the spirit so their services are all over the place or some of you may have come from the churches where people are speaking in tongues right in the middle of the message or getting up and running around and this is why paul says god is a god of order and that the spirits are subject to the prophet there is no oh i was out of control in the spirit no, 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 no. The scripture says that the spirit is subject to the prophet. God is a God of order. And he specifically said, lest non-believers come in and think you're out of your mind. So we encourage it. Let's do it. Believers night, let's go. We'll wait on the spirit and ask God to bless us with the gifts of the spirit. So come that night. So we understand? Can we go back to our text? That was a lot, but I felt like there's new believers here, guys. I know it. I know it. So they need to hear this stuff. We need to be reminded of these things. And so when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed uh, from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And so Paul, like everywhere else, he begins to preach in the synagogue there in Ephesus. And for three months, 
He's convincing, he's teaching, he's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some haters rose up who were hard-hearted and would not believe. Which is always the case when Christians take a stand for God's truth. When Christians take a stand for the name of Jesus. It is a name that causes backlash in one form or another. And it's almost a badge of you're doing things right when there's opposition but when there's no opposition how bright is our light how salty is our salt it's a blessing i mean vernon mcgee said long ago he said i judge a, a christian not by his friends but by his enemies Woo. you know him though right <laughs> he was he was that way but it's true you preach jesus and there's gonna be a backlash the enemy doesn't want people to hear the gospel. The enemy doesn't want to hear salvation through Jesus Christ. Peter would say in Acts 4.12, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which men can, must be saved. Ephesus is an idolatrous town, cosmopolitan. People think they know it all. And here's Paul in the synagogue laying it down and God's about to do an amazing work in Ephesus and thus the enemy isn't happy I like what James chapter 2 verse 19 says about the devil's trembling you believe that there is one God you do well even the demons believe and tremble there's so much power in the name of Jesus the enemy of our soul trembles and wants to stop it wants to muzzle it wants to stop you from preaching wants to stop me from preaching wants to stop you and I from gathering together and so what, it, what happens here, they would not accept him in the synagogue. And he's not going to cast his pearls before swine. You know, I mean, you know when you're not making any progress. It's done there. The door is closed at the synagogue. They're kicking him out. I'm surprised they gave him three months. And Paul usually gets about two weeks. But he had three months there. Now he's out. Now he's gone. And he goes to the school of Tyrannus, who was a philosopher and teacher. He had his school. And so Paul uses his lecture hall which is an amazing thing one uh, greek manuscript actually adds the time that they were not busy from 11 a.m to 4 p.m and that is when most people in that culture took a long lunch and a siesta or a nap from 11 to 4 and that's where they believed that he would use the school lecture during that time to preach the gospel my goodness the early church met in schools, guys. We met in schools. That's how we started. I love schools, man. We started at Susan B. Coombs. And we were so blessed to be there because no other school in Banning would have us. The principals did not want a church meeting there. So we met there. And then one day I get a call, Friday morning. You can't meet this Sunday. We are renovating the school. I said... But renovations don't just happen in one day. Did you not know? I have church in two days. We're so sorry. We're so sorry. And it was Friday, the last day of school. Summer was about to start. So I left work, Fontana, driving down here to go meet with somebody to let us use their, a different school. And they said, go to Hemmerling. We found you a school. It's, a, it's an old school, but it has a new cafeteria. And so we got into Hemmerling. God said concerning his church that the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. It was a good thing that that happened to us. It's the enemy trying to discourage us, we go to Hammerling. 
We're at Hammerling. COVID hits. We're out of Hammerling. The world's telling us that church isn't essential. Parks and Recreation guy, I don't even call him. He threw the grapevine. And then the guy tells him, hey, you guys, you know, something about us needing a place. He goes, yeah. So he rents us the outdoor amphitheater at the Ripley Park, in the middle of COVID. So we go there in June, and it's beautiful, and it's, it feels like this. It feels great. And then it gets hot, like in <laughs> the middle of July. And Chris would tell me he's praying for us to get a building. And then someone called, and Amanda got the call about this building, and they encouraged me to call this guy to meet with this guy before it got too hot we have this on a two-year lease to own thank you for joining us today at lasting truth radio if you're in the area come out and join us for sunday services at 10 a.m or wednesday evenings at 7 p.m we are located at 3035 west nicolette street in banning You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chapel, above.